Hi, this is Francisco Gonzalez, indie adventure game designer, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Scene World Podcast. Hello, hi. This is Dennis and me. <laughs> oh, we have a lot. That was a pretty today. low bar. That we have a lot of news today, so let's get it on. That's true. Yeah. Before though, our guest will be Catherine Vildozo from Peru. She is a video game advocate, a content creator for game developers, video game fans with fifty thousand plus followers, an art director and concept artist. Um, with Steve Plough for complex stories that can change the world. So right. quite a big animal there. Um, right. Yeah, and I discussed with her the uh, current state of um, the game industry in Latin America, um, especially Peru and um, Argentina. Yeah, cool. exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Yes, as I said before, though, some news. Um, well, well, it's December, and unfortunately, a lot of companies decided to let people go. Um, one of those companies is ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent companies, which is doing actually massive layoffs in the game, div uh, in the game division. Yeah, right. Many companies are doing this. Also, Spotify in the music sector and um, Amazon um, yeah. Games Studio. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Spotify, exactly. Totally yeah. forgot that in the news. Spotify also. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, um, Netflix made a deal with Rockstar, the GTA trilogy um, can now be played with the Netflix app. I'm not sure if it's already on or is it's, if it's soon to be on, but it's actually pretty nice to have um, a triple A title or a collection of titles. It's very um, interesting, but but I wonder how, how you can play this. I, I, okay, you can play it on your on your PC, but I, I'm not sure if it's, if it's playable on a TV with a remote. The version that Netflix has from or will have from the GTA collection is actually the mobile version from what I read. I see. So I'm probably, not very sure probably, probably it works pretty well. I'm very curious. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, other news. Amico, which we had prior in the podcast and also in the retro um, Gamescom panels, they released something called Amico Home, which looks like um, a software for Android that comes with uh, two games right now. One of them is Shark Shark, that mm. of course you have to buy extra to play. Mm. And it also requires, according to, um, to an article from Kotaku, it requires multiple phones. Because okay. you need also an Android phone for the controlling. 
Sounds because pretty complicated. Yeah, I mean, not complicated. I mean, they did something like you can emulate the Amico controller which you need to play the games because it has a dial and so on. And yeah. you can emulate that on the Android phones with a touchscreen as a controller. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not really a mobile phone gamer. I have to admit, I'm not really the um, smartphone gaming dude. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm really not into mobile phones. Yeah, no. I not rather the mobile have, phones at all. Yeah, I rather have um, my Xbox controller. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah, exactly, that's... exactly. Yes. Well, other news: Gamers Nexus, the hardware YouTube channel, released a video one year later, having a look at the Intel Arc. GPU drivers, if Intel did improve, got rid of bugs, and is finally a valued cup competition versus AMD and NVIDIA. Yeah. So look for that. And also, there is a news update from the Kickstarter of Unitroy from Poland that work on um, Amiga slash Atari slash C64 joystick which we also had in the podcast in the past. Currently, they are working in making the different options you could pick from when you were a backer into physical hardware, you know, nice. like different power buttons, lights for the rumble feature. So much about that. Nice. Yeah. Also, other news is Cyberpunk 2077 released now on a physical version they call it ultimate edition which include the dlc phantom liberty and the base game and they don't release it on the playstation 4 only on the playstation 5 and other consoles it's quite a good decision because the playstation 4 version was terrible performance anyway <laughs> Yeah. Didn't you sell it before? Yeah, I, I had it once, but um, I think it's still not playable. I would call it not playable because it glitches out every now and then and um, it's totally junk, I think, still, unfortunately. But I think on PlayStation 5, the performance is okay. I'm very well, curious about it. I mean, honestly, even the PC version wasn't so good. I mean, I played yeah. it, and after one hour it crashed, and the autosave didn't work. Mm. So all my progress was done, and I had to play the game again. So I didn't touch it for a year because I was so pissed. It's probably the most bugged game ever. Yeah, but, but obviously, meanwhile, they fixed it. And also, they released a free... 2.1 patch so it's it's turning out to be a second no man's guy where they constantly fix and update content add content to the game yeah, it seems curious very curious about it there's also soon to be released a racing game on steam for the pc called super polygon grand prix that's mm -hmm. a good one. Okay, yeah. nice. And also last weekend, there was the Indie Live 
Expo Winter 2023 from Japan, which was also in English and streamed in Chinese, which is good because from my understanding, there's not much from the indie development scene from Japan that we learn about yeah. outside of Japan, at least yeah. in my in my feeling. H Bumber guy, which uh, last time was known for his um, long YouTube documentary about the oof sound, which turned into a Tommy Tellerico documentary. Now released a four hours documentary called Plagiarism and YouTube. I see. And it mentions a lot of examples like Manning Cave, which was plagiarized mm. and made into an animated video and then changed a couple of times and re-uploaded and so on and so on. And last but not least, Petro Planas our guest we had from Venezuela when we spoke about retro collecting in Venezuela <clears throat> now also has a TikTok channel where he um, releases new video game music. Let's check it all out. Cool. Oh. Interesting. Hi there. So I might sound a bit different than usual because my snowball microphone unfortunately broke down. So I'm having a new microphone now. The K66 second hardware version with noise cancelling. Hopefully it's actually nice. Anyway, so there are some news that I would like to add before we start with the interview. And that is number one, Maitri, who we had last year for the Christmas episode of the pod, released their new Christmas song this year, My Ordinary Christmas. There is a short version with video and comments action on YouTube. And there is um, a full version created by YouTube without comment section because it's created by YouTube, but also a link for purchase from all other platforms for music. And also, I would like to know, I, I would like to say that um, recently we mentioned the German RD TV documentary Phantom Liberty and I noticed there's actually an English version in the RD Mediatek as well so we will link to that and also there is news from John Uck and Dana Zudorenko's Game Tree who raised 1.7 million for safe an inclusive gaming community according to VentureBeat so congratulations Dana and John successfully got getting an, a new financial round and having enough financials to continue the business next year. And also a bit of a sad news, Kelsey Lewin, who we interviewed a year ago, stepped down from the Video Game History Foundation because she wants to concentrate on other stuff. And she also said, perhaps that will be a possibility to revive her YouTube channel. So good luck to that. Also, the Video Game History Foundation for the first December Christmas calendar door released 
a documentation from the making of Riven from 1998 in a restored version. And they're putting out something new each day. And also, Threads might finally be launched in Europe in December, because right now the social network by Facebook to challenge X is until now not available in the EU. So that might change within December. Also, Star Citizen announced that now it's possible to enlist to play the Squadron 42 adventure. And with that, I would say, now let's go to the interview. Nice, nice. All right. I mean, that would be all from now. So let's jump um, to Peru and yeah. spoke, speak to um, Catherine Vildozo. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Okay. Today, we have another guest to the podcast, and this time it's actually Ekate Vildozo from Peru. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here. <laughs> And I saw, I saw when I did some research, you had a, you have a lot of hats on, amazing, uh, amazing a lot. I mean, I mean, Victor, our common friend, he he tell, he told me you are the coordinator of the Peruvian chapters of the IGDA, but uh, on your LinkedIn profile, you even say you are a content creator for game staffs and technology, a video game concept artist, a content creator. Uh, with 40k followers and a lot of other things. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I don't know the word in English, but in in um, in Spanish we say talista that you want to do everything that you can. So I'm I'm on that path, <laughs> on mm -hmm. that war path. Uh, but yeah, um, actually I used to see the uh, public relations uh, part for IDDA Peru. I did that until last year when I was invited to uh, direct with others two people the um, I'm sorry I'm way to put it in English but it's the uh, CBA Peru that is the organization that looks upon every main company developing video games here in Peru and also as to promote them for international um, affairs and whatnot. So apart from all of that, I have been um, coordinator for the career of uh, game design here in one of the main creative institutes that we have in Peru. I'm currently working on two um, places as a teacher uh, in the UBC, there is the University of Peruvian Sciences, also in Toulouse-Lautrec as a teacher and for Spain as a teacher uh, developing a master in video game design. And apart from all of that that I do, I also have an agency where I am uh, art director and uh, I recently created another company that's focused on teaching people about um, a specialized knowledge on animation and video games because sometimes it's kind of difficult to find I don't know if I want to learn how to make uh, UV textures but I don't want to learn the whole deal because I already know it maybe it's easier to find a teacher that knows that 
the little bit of content. So uh, we do that service. We help you search for teachers all along Latin America and well globally as well. And apart from all of that, I also create content because uh, a few years back, I realized that we have here in Latin America, especially in Peru, a problem when I started to plan my, my path towards growing and helping the community that not many people actually knew what, what you could do with video games. Like, okay, you can play and it can be entertaining, but they didn't actually knew the difference between entertainment and fun or that you can have indie games. Where are, what, what does an indie game bring to the community and everything? They didn't knew that. And as a result, many indie games in Peru, they just get lost in, in the conversation because people don't play them. They think, they think that it's not a good game because it isn't a big game. So on that part, I started creating content and talking about that specifically, specifically for people here. And it has been very rewarding because I started this like three years back. And right now I have over uh 51k followers and wow so you have to update your linkedin actually yeah it's been a while because (laughs) this year it's been crazy and i've been also doing a master's in video game design and i'm overwhelmed so many of my social networks are not being updated i have to do that at some point but i'm hoping well i mean (laughs) i mean i mean most of the stuff I found was in Spanish anyway, so I know very okay. little because Spanish is not among the languages I know. <laughs> um, I'm so um, sorry. But, but it's not a problem. But anyway, what, what I find interesting is that a lot of gamers in Peru aren't used to AAA games and think indie games from AA studios or even less A's are not important, really? Is yeah, that so? Well- Okay. It used used to be way way back, like I'm talking five years back. Mm. A really set of of problems that kind of fed that idea because you used mm. to see video games from Peru, but they were make they were made talking about Peruvian culture. But since we have a very specific cultural environment, because you have very strong ties to a pre-Hispanic. Um, environment and culture and beliefs that they're still working today, but people don't know about them. So when when they do a game and they try to talk about Peru, for for example, just touching the part of Cusco and the Incas, you're leaving behind mm. a lot of stories that they should be told. So people kind of resent that or resent it. I don't know if that's so mm. uh, well standing today. Today, sorry, but. Um, as we started talking and I realized many people actually wanted to understand what happened when you made a, a video game. Like, okay, are you making a video game, but what does it take? Do you need a, I don't know, someone to program it and someone to make the art and that, that is not true. You need so much more. So mm. that became kind of my mission to talk about that and to mm-hmm, be able mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. teach about what's happening and why does it have value beyond the fact that it can be fun because it's also... Uh, it's art in many ways, and yeah, it's also I mean, a chance to yeah. tell a story, you know. I mean, in in and, Europe, in the European Union, since 2015, video games are part of cultural good and preservable. 
together with movies and books and all those things, that's actually what what happened in 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 um, in the European Union. But here's an interesting case um, because I don't I don't know probably are too too young, but um, recently Tyon actually released the new Robocop Rogue City. And okay, yeah. I, I I know that um, I see that a lot of on the Steam forums that a lot of gamers were actually shocked how good the game is, despite it was made by a double A studio and not by a triple A studio. So actually, it it uh, was praised more than that it was expected to be. I mean, a lot of people. Gamers and the media expected a game with a much lower quality. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you know the game, but actually, it's one of those games I play lately uh, or currently. I would say because I've heard about it. Yeah. Um, sadly, with all the things that I'm doing, I don't have much time to play. And the games that I'm playing is they are game, games that I expected for a really long time to play. Right now, I'm playing um, Return to Moria. I'm sorry, it's. The, the Lord of the Rings Return to Moria. I, I'm a very big fan of Tolkien and everything related <laughs> to it's like <gasps> to me. Okay. But um, on that same page, I'm I also like RPGs. So Baldur's Gate three was it's an amazing experience, and I'm trying to enjoy ah. every little detail. Ah, and okay. as such, when I finish, like taking all the juice of the game, I'm going to go to another game. But before that, I'm just trying yeah. to find everything that I can. Okay. It's so great. But Robocop yeah, is not mean. really RPG. It's more like first person shooter. I don't know if yeah. that is among your Oh no, Yeah, your I, I, I also play um, first person shooters. But the thing is that since I don't have much time and I don't like playing games, I, I really have a problem. It's a personal problem, I know. But uh, with people that play games and they just go through it as fast as they can and they don't actually experience the game, you know, they don't try to connect with it. And it's maybe because I'm a content art, I'm sorry, I'm a concept artist, but I tr I see every detail and I look at every texture and okay. I'm, I'm going to be no, I don't. that I boring. Don't. Yeah, yeah I, I'm that boring player that just stands next to a wall and looks at it and it's like, such a beautiful texture. <laughs> okay, and I see. Yeah, I, I have to take my time, sadly. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean, because I've seen it a lot. And I've uh, even heard different comments here in the in Peruvian com community uh, of gamers and streamers and content creators. They don't, they, they don't take seriously um, indie games, usually, because they are not as good as to be trendy or they are they must. Um, there are very low expectations for it, so it's not it's, it's not any good to talk about it, and I'm kind of against it. So mm. I'm the one who talks about it, and I'm the one who suggests constantly to try different indie games uh, over AAAs because, sadly, yeah, there is a big industry, and anyone today can get the knowledge to do a game, but there's like this amazing art factor that tells a lot about the devs and what they saw it was possible and 
I don't know. I, I just try to look at it as you will look at a beautiful painting of, I don't know, the Mona Lisa and just examine mm. it and try to savor it because there's a story behind it and I would like to know it because I am that nerdy person. And, and there's, if there's other nerdy persons that like that, I guess they can also come into that community. But I know it's kind of hard yet because you have so much uh, information so short so fast that i can see that currently the attention span is every second lower i don't know last year it was like um i don't know 20 seconds today it's 10 and it keeps going down and i don't only just see it online i also see it in person i, I also teach and i see all my students that they don't actually grasp many of the things that you say or try to show so i really? can also understand okay. at least here i don't know how it's that on europe because i is a different culture is different kind of content and everything but here it's a problem and i guess the best way we have to fight it is to make mm. things that you should know a little bit fun a little bit uh i don't know flashy because you you're it's gonna get your attention so the thing is that i have to take advantage of it and tell you what you need to know in that time where you're intrigued as why my hair is this color. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. But but I mean but I mean perhaps I'm special here because I don't think about such stuff, you know. It's not important yeah. to me. Um um I I know that is important for others, but I don't think in in boxes with different cultures different age group, different hair color, whatsoever. It's not it's not how I go in daily life. Um, but but I see where you're coming from. Yeah. And I mean, a game like Robocop Ro Rogue City is obviously for a different target group, much, much older, even 10 years older than me. I mean, it's dark, it's gory, it's violent and you need patience to master a mission because um, you cannot like complete it in five minutes and then go to the next stage. You really have to um, have patience. And and me personally, I've always been a bad gamer and I never complete games, almost never. So if there is a game that I find interesting enough that I actually stick with it and want to complete it, then then it's it's made something there. But but perhaps let's talk a bit about how did you get involved in all this? the video game industry and computers and all that stuff. What was your starting point? I mean, it probably wasn't like as a kid you were born and suddenly like, whoa, games, you know, probably. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, well, as a, as a side note, there is not such a thing as a bad gamer. <laughs> Just really? Yeah, well, I'm better in yeah. doing interviews, I hope. Uh, we're all better in different things that was yeah. that's what makes us uh, special yeah but um well regarding how i got into games um i actually well my my mom and my dad are investigators they work with uh, the archaeology part and i've always grown into investigating things because it was a normal thing to do in my house like when you wanted to learn something you grabbed your book and you search on that subject and you search another book and then you started to create your your own hypothesis about it and i grew up into that um i traveled with my mom and my dad a lot uh through latin america especially peru so i've seen 
on first hand hands, uh, things that other kids don't see, like going into the deep jungles, talking to people that are coming from tribes in a time where, well, it was kind of frowned upon here again. Uh, when you see someone, I don't know, wearing a loincloth and some feathers on their heads. And for my mom and my dad, it wasn't something so special. And it wasn't to me either. So my idea of something being different, it comes from their story and how you tell it, not how you look, not how you uh, appear to others or what others might think of you. So that kind of... Uh, made me interested into games because, well, you see, there's many games with amazing stories where you can experiment to be someone completely, completely different. And that's kind of the vein that got me into it because, well, I started playing with my dad as a very young age. My dad liked um, the ID software games uh, in a time where having a computer was here uh, something amazing because not not everyone had sí. one uh my dad had one because he had to work on it and my uncle was uh, studying uh mechanic engineering so i had the luck to have a computer at home so we started playing and it became a very beautiful memory of uh, going through my day and going to to school or maybe just when we were traveling, reading my books, ending the day, going and sitting next to my dad and being like, okay, we got to, we, we need to play this level in Doom 2 and we need to finish it on this time. And we will set just goals and enjoy the game and we will play it again and again and again and again and again. It became like a ritual to us. And that feeling of knowing that a game can bring you such warmth beyond the game itself because i know doom is not just like it's not a very warm game <laughs> no not really not really no no yeah no. i know but it was so fun to be just sitting with my dad and he telling me about all these creatures and they have a lore and and there's a world where you are hunter through um infernal portals and everything and i just fell in love, in love with that idea so i started playing different games that had like that concept where you could be something entirely different. Uh, I've seen many girls that are kind of upset and they're right to be upset because they don't have the uh, an actual representation of them in the games. Like everything uh, is too perfect. I but mean, I don't I don't share that because my idea of something being cool for me is completely out of context for them. Because when I play a game, I want to be the biggest the baddest and thickest guy in the place that is like three i don't know eight feet tall and i don't know it doesn't talk it just growls you know and because i i'm entirely different in reality so i want to go all the way towards the other end <laughs> that's what's fun for me i know that there's people that don't share that because their views on gaming and representation is different and they're entitled to but I just enjoy the the chaos of it. I don't know. I, I, that's why I like many different games as uh, related to Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer because you have that idea of just being brutal and big and bad, and you can have fun with it because everything is already bad in that world. So you can just be bad. It's not as bad, you know. <laughs> and well, so I actually studied uh, art direction and. Um, graphic design because here in Peru 
I actually wanted to be a forensic, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in Spanish is different, but I wanted to work as a medical forensic. I don't know how to say it in English, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, <laughs> you could look it up. I mean, it's not life anyway. I mean, I can cut it out, no problem. Whatever, um, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> it's been a long time since I, I tried to explain that. Um, I'm sorry. That's no problem. It's all good. Medical examiner. Yeah. Mm. And I actually wanted to study that, but here um, education, usually the good education comes with a very high price, literally. So when I try to um, go through the exams and everything, I actually did it. But the problem is that I didn't have the money to pay it. So I went with the second best choice that I had, that it was art direction, because I've drawn all my life. Uh, I don't remember where when I mm -hmm. started drawing or painting. My mom says it was when I was around six months. I don't know. because Wow, well, that sounds a bit early, to be honest. I, I couldn't know because I don't remember, but that's what she says. And I'll, I'll take it very care, carefully. And I've drawn all my life and my mom and dad always kind of fed my intentions to grow or whatever I wanted. So if I wanted to paint with all the paintings, they would give me the oil paintings. If they could get me, I don't know, watercolors, they would get me the best watercolor and, and such. So I said, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to do something that I like, uh, the next best, best choice beyond experimenting uh, in a medical field with, uh, I don't know, corpses because I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of dark. I know I know you can tell. <laughs> All right, right. Uh, it's going to be painting. So I went into that career and it was very fun. It's, it's weird for someone to say that because I see many people struggling with their decisions on careers, but it, it was actually very fun to me. And I enjoyed it a lot. So when I was finishing the career, I was contacted by uh, game design here in Peru because I used to go to events and draw people there. Like I take my, my notebook and be like, if you give me like around $1, I'm going to draw you and in my style and painting, you can take it. $1, so, oh, that's this, cheap. That's cheap. Yeah, but I, I actually did that because I wanted to get into more possible customers. So I had to be known somehow. So I just went to. And now you are no, more known that you, than you would wish for, right? Uh... <laughs> but yes, uh, so I went there and kind of met this person called Ivan Hermosa. And he told me that he was making a game and he wanted someone to help him with sprites. At that point, I didn't actually knew what was so I just went into my house. I sat on my computer and started looking for it. At that time, the forums were still active and you could find a lot of good things and not necessarily dark things on 4chan and Reddit. So I kind of went through the motions to find what was that job and what did it entail. So I started working with this guy and he was very kind to teach me how the whole process went because I'm very inquisitive, as I try to put it, because I'm the person that comes and be, why are you doing this? And why not that? And how do you use it? And where do you put it? And how do you program it? And how? <laughs> so this person had a lot of patience with me. Okay. And when I finished doing the first uh, batch of sprites, he told me, like, I want you to do all of them. And I also need your help 
with concept art. So I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and I just went deep into it and I fell in love with the process because at that point I only knew about illustration as to, I don't know, making covers of stuff uh, on books, on CDs, on movies and everything, but never as to plan how a world, how a person, how a character will look and take it to life. So mm. it was a different world for me and I just fell in love with it. So I started learning more about it and I started searching for small jobs for it. And usually commissions through internet. Uh, I used to be very shy. Actually, I am very shy. No, sorry, I'm not shy. I'm introverted, it's a different thing. Uh, but mm. I didn't know how to talk to people. So now I, I have to. And at that point when I, I mean, you could, all, you could you could also have said no, you know, it's like I'm a very um, objective oriented person. So if I have a challenge in front of me, I want to take the challenge because I need to know if I'm capable okay. of doing it. So as such, I started taking these small jobs. But the mistake I made was that many times I didn't ask for any uh, mention in the work or be to or be contacted to know to what game they were going to because I was just happy of be getting getting paid <laughs> and at that point I, I let many small projects just slip away from me and oh. I'm also grateful because I get to practice a lot and if I ever made a mistake I don't know <laughs> that kills me and also kind of pushes me a little bit further because it's it's like It's out there. I just don't know where. <laughs> and, and with time, I uh, was contacted to work in the biggest uh, media here in Peru that uh, made content about video games called Mass Gamer. That, that's what, that was around 2017, I guess. And I started making content to them, with them, actually. At first, I was just writing articles. And at some point, they told me, like, I know this is weird from other countries because I'm actually from Argentina. I live in Peru. In Argentina, this doesn't happen. And you rarely hear this, but here in Peru, apparently, you hear it a lot. But oh, so you actually told... immigrated to Peru? Okay, mm, I see. Yeah, my mm. my dad's Peruvian, my mom's Argentinian, mm. and I was called and be uh, and I was told we need a girl to be shown in the front because we need more guys coming to our content and our videos and everything. And I was like, but that's not how it should work because I, again, I grew up in a different idea of society. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that, that's kind of weird. That's actually not good, but they were like, yeah, but we need someone that draws attention. So you can do it. And it was a very rocky path because uh, many of the content that I was uh, invited to do Uh, I didn't actually knew how to do that. I was told to stream games and I have anxiety. So I would see, uh, I was at that point trying to play uh, playing on Battlegrounds and I would see like around uh, 300 people looking at my stream, just insulting me because I was a girl and because wow. I was nervous wow. and I, I couldn't, play and watch this, the, the camera at the same time. So mm -hmm. I was kind of trying to work my way, way, way into it. I actually, I'm not bad at playing, but I'm, I get very nervous in that sort of, of environment, especially if I wasn't ready for it. 
So I tried to work through it and I started uh, watching my own streams and seeing like, okay, what can I do better? I'm not talking enough. I'm not watching on the screen enough. I'm not uh, interacting with the people and, and working through the motions. So at some point I actually can, I actually could maintain that number on the stream and it kind of taught me how to talk to different people because you need to keep the attention. And that's also where I tend to talk and move my hands a lot, move a lot because that became ingrained into me. So um, at that point, I started also knowing about the media that went uh, around in Peru at that time. And at some point I realized that I actually didn't need a big uh, media to do the content. So I just went on my own and started working on other things that I actually wanted to do, like participating in the community of game development because I actually didn't know anyone. I used to work in a company as a concept <laughs> artist and I have a, a small falling out with them. Well, it wasn't small, but the thing is that it, it kind of was left as a small thing. And uh, when I tried to search for help, uh, I didn't actually knew where because you couldn't actually find any uh, organizations or anything that could help you if you have like a, if you had a little problem or you needed advice or what other companies were making video games. It was very hard to find. So on that note, I just realized that I needed to infiltrate as a way to put it into that community. So I started creating content that kind of became a token because as a content creator, people would open many doors thinking that you would make content about them. So yeah, I, I also did content about them, but I'm sorry. Bless you, bless you, no, no <laughs> worries. You. Well, I mean, I can take the chance here while you're interrupted um, to ask you some questions about what you, mm -hmm. what you just said. Um, for example, you said you see, um, heroes in games and playing characters different than what other women say games should look like. I mean, there's just a typical example. I mean, there is, um, or better to say, there was femini feminist frequency with Anita, um, with Anita, Zerkir Anita Zarkisian, who actually retired and shut down her, her portal portal. And um, I don't know, I, I, she had a lot of extreme point of views where like games like uh, Tom Ryder with Lara Croft shouldn't exist because uh, she is too sexualized as a video game character. And, and, and then others making um, counter um, arguments saying there always have been equal um, heroes in games, for example, Miss Pac-Man and Mr. Pac-Man, and uh, so so it's interesting that you say that as a as a woman because um, because there there are those extreme point of views regarding video games, how they should be designed, and whether they should be targeted more the female audience or more the male audience, or if you just consider yourself a gamer, um, uh, doesn't matter what, what gender you are, you know? So yeah. that's actually a lot to, to discuss about. I mean, that's a really broad uh, topic. And I mean, 
Also on this podcast, we were the last people who interviewed the Fractors from Ubisoft a few weeks before they actually dissolved the group because Ubisoft said, nowadays society change, we don't need an all-female um, gamer group anymore. So, so what's your opinion, actually, with all this development? Is that a step backwards? No, I guess it depends many... It depends many times where are you trying to get into because uh, as you put it uh you see things different because the place where you were uh raised showed you a different view of, of that same problem i mean i guess Here, my, my my parents and my environment never never taught me to make a difference between people that's it but exactly. as simple as that you know they're like oh look yeah. at this person look at that person and uh, I know it's just it's just a person. Yeah, no, I know, and a... I, I share that same that same idea because as someone who has grown into uh, books and science and everything, I come to see things in a way that not many. I'm going to use the word normal, but the word is not normal. It's like people. It most of people don't actually see them, um, and the thing is that on that same subject, I think that there's yeah, depending on where are you trying to get into with a game because you know when you make a game you need to work on where are you going to publish it where are you going to tell about the game uh what country what region why that game what age group and all of those <laughs> things uh become the chance to sell or create some sort of monetization for the company because at the end of the day it's a product i mean there's games that they are not a product but most of them they are so the thing is that if you see it on that cold, uh, I don't know, way, you're going to understand that as such, not every game is for everyone. Like, I don't know, The Ireland, uh, not every single people are going to like the smell of, I don't know, bergamot, for putting a, a way of, of telling it. Uh, many are going to like, I don't know, the smell of vanilla, but not everyone. And that's good because you have diversity as such. I think that there is a misunderstanding that all games should be targeted to all people. But the thing is that it's a business at the end. So you cannot, you can't do that. It's not um, sustainable at the end. You need to think about where is that ground where you need to plant your seed and needs to be the best to grow. So there's going to be grounds that are not going to be the like of other people. And you have to accept that because as such, I know there's people that are annoyed by the color of my hair. I've been told. Really? <laughs> Even colleagues. Yeah, they're upset because my hair is too flashy. And it shouldn't be too flashy because I'm a 31-year-old woman. And I'm... Uh, oh, older than I several... thought. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I have two companies and I shouldn't be acting this way. But hey, that's just the way I act. It doesn't matter how professional I am because it's a different face of the same person as such there's going to be people that are not going to enjoy the same games as i don't know the asian region is going to enjoy because the mechanics and the way uh the way that they are socially constructed and um, inclined to interact is different as well so i cannot be uh, i can but it's, it doesn't make sense to be offended about how they play a game and how I play a game not being the same. Mm. I, so it's also, I think, a matter of respect. If you ask for respect, if you ask 
to be better represented in a game that is targeted to your audience and you can make it better by helping the devs and saying like, hey, I enjoy this uh, and ask your consumer, I think this will work better. But just randomly attacking people because you don't see what you like is not fair because maybe it's to the like of someone else that is actually their target. I'm not mm -hmm. up for very extreme ideas on that because there you have to conciliate you need to find a middle ground because sadly there's many people that i see online are very resented are very resented to i don't know the world it seems i know them they may have been through difficult things i think we all somehow are going through something we don't know the full story of everyone but it's not the same to be suggesting a change and finding a way a nice way to implement it is to attack a whole group or a company or a game just because you're not agreeing to it. And so perhaps that, that is why, that's, that, yes. that perhaps that is why a lot of um, even female game YouTubers were actually happy when Anita said she's um, she's shutting down uh, feminist frequency because they said that her extreme point of views are bullshit basically so um you know um yeah i, I don't know i mean, I mean she, she's entitled to think what she wants to think you know because after all she may not say it but she may still think it <laughs> and as we don't like it she's entitled to say it but the thing is that there's a difference between saying what you think and say yeah that's what i think but the world doesn't work that way it doesn't need to work as i want it to because i don't know everything and trying to force someone into a politic or uh, a mechanic or a aesthetic that you like just because you like it that, nah i'm not i'm not up for it okay. <laughs> it, needs to, it needs to be a middle ground for everyone mm. for the devs that be that are trying to tell a story and the art needs to reflect all, all that and the consumer that gives it time to understand it that's why i also have the problem that i said with people just going through a game and not looking at it not trying to understand stuff because um in the best scenario i know it's not every game because sometimes well i don't know there's many interests uh, behind doors that we don't know but uh the concept art and especially the the mechanics and the game design are so important because there's a story that should be told and you should not you shouldn't be trying to force that into the player you should be able to tell it in the most i don't know um harmonic way possible so the person can build it in their own head because that's also part of a game that mm. you don't actually know the whole story from the start. You go in, you're going through the story. You are part of the story. Sometimes it's your story that you're telling, that you're building. So if someone's trying to push that into you, it feels like when you're in school, well, here it happens, but when you're in school and you don't understand something and the teacher just goes, uh, yeah, but it works that way because I say so. Mm, <sighs> okay, well, that's you not... Know? Yeah, that's not very logical. So, yeah. so the... So the answer of the question to 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 sum it to sum it up, do you think you need a group or an organization to represent you as a female gamer, or do you think it's not necessary at at all? 
yes. I, I mean, it's basically yes or no. No. Is is it okay. more complex Let, than that? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Let's okay. say that yeah. In some cases, I, I think it's good mm. that there's people that are trying to find a more neutral ground so that everyone can be included, but they need to do so with a very, very well set criteria because it cannot just go as a very upset parent that doesn't have an authority and just tells you because I say so. No, it should have a very strong base into the community and onto where are you putting that game? What is that this what is the story that this game is trying to tell you? Because when you try to change very specific factors about how the player looks or how it feels or you're you're also upsetting the story. You're changing it and you cannot tell it the same way. Is if I'm painting a painting and I'm trying to place it the best as I can from where it comes from my head. If you try to change the colors just because you don't like it, you're also going to change the story that I'm trying to tell you through it. So it needs to be done with a very good criteria. And th that's hard, you know? Mm. That's very hard to nowadays when, when so many people are very focused on to gaining the approval of the most, uh, yeah. the most people out there and not the actual unrepresented people. And I see I mean, that with accessibility, accessibility, ah, I'm sorry. Accessibility. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it even works for movies. Yeah. You know, remember this um, all female cast on the, on the Ghostbusters movie before oh. the last one, that was actually a disaster. Though so they yeah. went back to the, they went back to the male cast again and uh, actually the trailer, the, Actually, the trailer for next year is supposed to also be based on on um, on the original Ghostbusters and not the female cast. Yeah. And um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a bit hard for me. I mean, I also see personally there is still a problem because, for example, when I played with a friend, um, 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 Counter Strike, Counter Strike Two. The new, yeah. well, the new old whatever Counter Strike. Well, basically, Valve replaced the CS:GO with Counter Strike 2, but that's a different story. But anyway, as soon as in the voice chat, um, they they noted that there is a, a woman in the in the match. The the insulting started like die bitch and whatever, and that reminded me why when I play. Um, online games like PUBG or um, Fortnite. Why, why, why? The first thing I do in settings is always disabling team chat because it's always people insulting um, others, especially the female players. And I'm like, wow, was that really necessary? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's really it's really. Um, you know, and then of course, then of course, you have other disturbances, like people speaking in other languages, and and somebody else is screaming, "Speak English! Speak English!" And it's such a chaotic situation that I'm like, "Wow, no, I cannot handle this anymore." You know, wow, I know. Yeah, it's it's very intense. There's many problems I think with responsibility in in gaming online because. Okay, yeah, 
this may be a little disruptive, but I also see and I see that through students when I teach the career of video games and uh, I, I kind of I'm not going to say I experimented on them, but I tend to ask a lot of questions. I'm very inquisitive, so I'm, I used to You said see, so already, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I used to see that when, for example, uh, when we finished an assignment earlier, uh, I used to tell the students like, okay, if you want to, we can play a game. Let's play, I don't know, CSGO, for example, no? And we're going to make teams in the same classroom, no? And uh, this is team A, team B. The team that wins is going to get, I don't know, I used to take candy. So they're going to get candy, all of you. But yeah, I'm, the, I'm also kind of like a grandma. <laughs> and I take candy in my first. To, to, because, to them. Yeah, it okay. doesn't matter if they're 22, 25, 26-year-olds. Okay. They always like candy. So... Um, I'm like, okay, let's just play. And I used to see that they would shout at the person next to them, you should be doing this, are you stupid? And I'd be just standing next to them and being like, okay, when they finished playing, uh, why did you do that? And they would just ask, uh, I would say, well, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Okay, I get that you're sorry and everything, but I want to know why did you do it? And you will see their faces change as to being backtracking in their in their head like why did i do that and it's usually a very dumb reason um the fact that their playmate didn't actually knew how the things worked as fast as they thought they should knew they should know sorry and i was just sitting next to them and being like okay so if you played a new game you never played the game and you couldn't learn as fast as the people that are already playing in like five years or four years whatnot do you think that you're dumb for not knowing and they would just stop saying all like no and why do you think that your playmate is dumb for not knowing why is the first idea that comes to your head because you're not filtering it that's for sure uh, but it comes to your head. So why is he dumb? And I don't know if it's, it was the fact that I was like one of the two or three women that were teaching, women that were teaching in the, in the in school video games at that time. But they would tell me like, I think that I'm used to people shouting at me or, or insulting me if I don't know things fast enough. So it just became normal. Mm. Okay. And I was like, okay, and if that's the case, when you're playing a game, can you actually tell that you're having fun? Like, is that fun for you to be shouted? Because I, I can see that some people actually enjoy it. And that's okay. Yeah, okay. Zardomistic okay. stuff. And I know. Yeah. Man. And they'd be like, no, actually, it's not. And then, okay, if that's the case, then are you playing the game because you feel that you need to? do that to interact with your friends or because that's the thing that you want to do or would you like to play a different game and maybe just enjoy a little bit more they would be like yeah i, I shouldn't be playing that game i'm not enjoying it usually the answer tends to be that they're doing it because their friends are also doing it and they want to have this sort of connection with them there's also the, the the stage where they've been playing a game for so long that if they leave it now, it's just a waste of time, like Dota or uh, League of Legends. And there were also the, the idea that 
other people were insulting online. So I thought it was what they used to do. So I started doing it as well. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just do it. So there's a problem with filtering here. Not entirely from the players, also from the devs, because it depends on how much can you afford to filter or create a way to filter this. But there's also a responsibility that hasn't been taught that what you're saying, you want it or not, is affecting someone at the other end. As simple as that. And you don't know if what you're saying is going to be the cherry on top of a terrible day for someone and you're the responsible responsible for something bad happening to that person. So if you're not going to say something good, you just don't say anything at all, you know? Simple as that. You have other ways to communicate in, the, in games. You, you can actually yeah, just point things out and, and jump and whatnot. So if that's the case, why you are not taking the responsibility of in of thinking about how you're interacting with someone because just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't have consequences. Even the fact that you think it's normal to act that way, you're te teaching it to someone else, maybe a kid, and you cannot just say, oh, well, it's their parents' problem. You're also responsible for insulting that kid and teaching it to be that way to other people and so on, so on, so on. So people actually don't think about that when they play. And that's a very interesting thing because there's a responsibility to be held every time you interact with someone in any place. It doesn't matter if it's online or in person, but those people, I guess, they don't tend to think about that or they're just very I see. into the game, trying to disconnect from whatever stress they might have. And I think it's a way of protecting that, that sanctuary, like this place is my it needs to be my happy place so if you make me lose if you make me uh to be less than someone else then you need to pay for it you know but there's it's a very subtle thing that happens into this into people that i i can see that it's not very it's not filtered because if you become aware of that you stop doing it at the very second you're thinking it but it doesn't happen a lot as i said well that's a whole science talk here I tend to ask these things because, I don't know, like I said, I grew with a very different view of stuff. So when someone tells me this, I try to look at from the outside, not in as I'm affected by it. It's, but why? <laughs> and that's also why I do so many things, because I realize that if you want to do this, you need to know this. And if you know this, you need to know this and, and such and such and such and just keeps growing. And in the way you start to connect the dots and things become easier, but it's it's not every person's process. It's just mine. And I know it's weird. <laughs> you mentioned a lot that you were grown up different. Is Argentina so different from the Peruvian society? Yeah, many things, yes. But okay. not, just, not just Argentina. Um, I grew up in Peru as much as Argentina because I used to travel a lot. Ah, okay. Um, but the thing is that Peru is very centralized. I think Argentina as well in some in some way. And when you go into the provinces of Peru, you become very aware that people have different, I don't know, needs and, and ways of, of seeing the world culturally and as a whole. I don't know, it's, it's very hard to explain, but 
the priorities are completely different, even to interacting to people. Here in Lima, people are very, um, they tend to be very concerned about others might think. And I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that filter. As well as I came from Argentina and in Argentina, people tend to think your life in the West, in the best way, okay? Many people think it's a bad way, but no. Your life is not my problem. As if you want to dress all green, if you want to paint your face, if you want to uh, put corns in your head, it's your problem. If you're a good person, that's all I care. That's it. And I think that way. But when I come, when I came here, I realized that that wasn't the case. And when I come back to Argentina to visit my family, I this year I stayed three months with my family, and I I get easily attached to the idea that there's that freedom that you don't need to be concerned about what people might think because nothing bad is going to happen to mm. you if you don't here it does and i don't know for example in argentina it's very common for women to be walking be walking around without uh brassiere it's, it's because no one looks at them it's like okay if you want to just go that way it's okay it's your choice and no one's going to be whistling at you or shouting at you or trying to touch you here it happens a lot mm. as such if you pop out in any way um then you're gonna be treated different and usually be chased or shouted or whistled to and everything so i when i was younger uh, around my 20 years 21 years old i used to walk around with a with a longboard uh, through lima and i got people even following to my house in cars uh really older okay. older men like 45 mm. 50 years old they were married they had children they take flowers to my house and everything and at that time sadly now it's different thank thank goodness um but you would go to the police station and try to file some sort of complaint they would tell you because i was told my dad was told he was with me that i wasn't um they did actually they didn't do anything wrong like they didn't touch me or nothing bad happened so they couldn't actually put a complaint and it, you know it's, it's, a, it's a very ominous thing to say as okay so i need to wait for something bad to happen is that what what <laughs> and that sort of thing happens here so when i try to see that from the outside because I'm very used to that. Um, I try to find the, the the difference. So I try dressing very differently. I, I, I always like the goth scene. My mom was a goth when, you, when she was younger. So I kind of just inherited the whole thing. And um, I, I tried dressing with full goth, black eyes, uh, contact lenses and everything. And the best outcome was to just scare people away because they wouldn't know what I was. So uh, okay. they would just move. Ooh. And okay. the worst outcome would be that people would try to chase me or touch me or even someone tried to, they grabbed me on the street and wouldn't let me go if I didn't give them my cell phone. And not like stealing, like, I want your number to call you. I want to know your name and stuff. And wow. okay. shouted at people. That sounds people scary. Just by. That yeah. Sounds scary. In Argentina, that doesn't happen. Actually, I went there with my best friend and, well, my two best friends that are guys that live with me. And 
they were concerned because when we got to La Plata, there were people that were drunk on the sidewalk. They were men, all men in summer. And I was just wearing shorts and shirt. And they were like, okay, so we need to get ready because they might whistle on you. We might have to fight. And I just went through it. It was like, hey, here it's okay. No one's going to say anything. And they didn't. And they were shocked. Like, what? People don't whistle at you if you just go this way? No, they don't. Here is mm -hmm. normal. So that kind of hurts a lot when I come here to Peru because, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a big person. I know how to defend myself. But the thing is that I see that on many of my students that are girls and uh, the best that I can do for them is tell them to be careful. But it's, it's not right, you know? So the same goes as to creating content. Sadly, I know that a part of the people that come to see me or talk to me, they're expecting something. And I try to be as straightforward as I can and be like, hey, sorry, I'm not interested. I, I, I have a default message that's just that when you ask for my number or to go out with me, that's like, sorry, but I'm not interested. Uh, thank you so much, but um, I do not uh, engage sentimentally or romantically with any of my followers or really or oh okay yeah i Ooh. i actually okay. needed to do that wow. and that's for okay. my secretary to be mm. checking because i used to get it's very normal for me to get dick pics for example it shouldn't Ooh. be but it is okay uh, it's very normal for me to get that sort of comments it's very normal for me to have colleagues I mean, that i mean the worst that. the worst i experienced i experienced personally was prank calls from women and uh, and somebody moaning on my Skype voicemail. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Why why would you do, even do that? That was kind of scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I cannot really relate to that to to what you said about um, society societally um, behaving in in Peru because I only have this tourist point of view. I was in Peru for three weeks and ten years ago actually to visit Victor and other friends from the retro computing scene. So um, so yeah. So and and I remember when 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 I told people that I'm going three weeks to Peru. Everybody was like, "You shouldn't go. You will be robbed." And you know, uh, and and I'm like, at that time at least, there was no terminal warning from the foreign department of a part of Germany. I'm like, okay, if the government think it's safe to to go, you sh you can, you know. And and yeah. I know, I know, even in the plane, I was actually not um, not directly coming from Germany, but from France. And I remember, um, I was actually traveling with Air France, and. Um, on the on the opposite side of the gangway um in the the seats there was a peruvian family and they asked me how much languages do you speak and i'm like two german and and english and they were like no spanish i'm like no spanish and they were like you're out of your mind going to peru not knowing spanish you know you will be totally lost and and i remember i remember being at immigrations and this immigrations officer totally annoyed that he has to speak English. And so he only speak two words, yes and welcome. <laughs> wow, that was the rudest experience ever. And it was like, wow, this is this is 
despite Latin America has all this welcoming attitude and everybody is happy and open-minded and stuff. And my first experience was a bit like, what's going on here? <laughs> That's like, you know, um, yeah. so, and, and while, while on my way to Peru, all went fine. On my way back to Germany, I also had to pass immigration, obviously, because they check if you have an entrance stamp from your arrival in your passport and stuff. And they actually put a woman there training, trained by her supervisor, and she didn't know any English. I was like, sorry, your Spanish is lost on me. I don't know a single word of Spanish. I'm sorry. So I was like, what's going on here? It, it really, it really um, killed me in this moment, you know? And it also, I mean, I've been to other countries like Brazil and so on before, you know? And at least when you have this immigration, of, um, this um, customs paper you have to fill, in the plane yeah. before you arrive to the airport, we're like, do you have anything to to claim for sale or whatever? Any you know, any commercial samples, any yeah. values, any cash money that's above ten thousand euros or anything. So you have to declaration paper, you know. But you also have to put in the address where you will be sleeping, you know, yeah. or where where you will be staying during during your stay in Peru and and in this whole form was in, in Spanish only and there was just one one sentence at the bottom if you have any questions ask the customs officer and I'm like I'm on a plane I'm on a plane there's nobody to ask here and Air France you know French people are not known for knowing foreign languages a lot though there was one stewardess on the flight there's new Spanish that would have to help all those non-Spanish speaking tourists how to fill out the form. And of course, I filled it out wrong, so I had to do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I felt like um, like there's a lot of attitude that it, I mean, even a year before I was in Brazil, even the Brazilians said, why would you go to Peru? It's dangerous. It's poor. There's nothing there to, 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 that is worth spending three weeks. And like, I have friends over there, you know, I'm spending time with friends. That's good enough for me as a reason, you know. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that Peru has amazing things in, in culture because well, I've been through many, many places besides Cusco. I actually, I like Cusco the least from all the places that I've been here. Um, because there are many um, archaeological places as uh, the Temple of Chavin that it's actually like a maze that goes on the ground and you need to get out of the place because warriors used to do that. That was a, a test of strength. And at the very center of it, there is a, a big sculpture of uh, like a knife all carved in stone. It's amazing. And I thought it was way better than Cusco, and especially Machu Picchu or Caral, that is one of the oldest uh, things archaeologically talking in Latin America. And no one actually knows what it is for, but it's like a whole temple, amazing, beautiful. There's so many places like this here. But like I told you at the beginning of this interview, there's many people that actually don't know, but 
there is a cultural uh, thing with it because the people that live near them, they know the story, they know what it meant and why it's important. And many of that just gets lost because, well, many people just turn their heads to Machu Picchu and it's kind of sad in a way but yeah i know what you mean because well one of my best friends is actually ukrainian and he lived a while in ecuador but uh he mostly he expresses himself best in in russian so when he tries to tell you something i mean he he can fluently speak spanish but sometimes he doesn't know how to explain the words people in customs didn't actually knew how to tell him where he was staying because they just started rambling about uh what was the street and they just started confusing him so i just had to come and that was this year coming from argentina he has his um his green card for living here and everything and they still asked him all of these things and i just went there and be like he's saying another place this is the direction the number and everything but it felt like they weren't trying to help him. That's the thing. Mm. Like, they didn't actually care what happened. Like, just give me the, the information so I can put it there and you can just go. And yeah, that feels weird. But it has improved in, se- in several other things. Right now, I think the forum comes in English as well. Is it? And, yeah? Well, not 10 yeah. years ago. And I'm, I'm really so, I'm really shocked how rude this customs officer was. Not hello, how are you, nothing. Well, I have to tell you that my mom had a, had a very special problem because she went through customs and uh, she came from Argentina. Uh, oh, sorry, it was, was immigration. It was immigration. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Im- immigration. Yeah. And she just went through it and they had their seals and they have to put the date when she came into Peru. So when we uh, started our papers to having our um Peruvian identification, identification identification card and everything, we found out that the person in, in, in immigrations that put the seal, put the seal as if she was going out, not in. Oh, wrong direction. And when we, yeah. okay, great, so how do we fix this? And they didn't know. <laughs> but it's their mistake. Like, okay, but you made a mistake. How do we fix it? How, who we have to talk to? And they didn't know. So basically, the, the the way that the person who, who was talking to us told us is like, she's not legally here. And it's like, okay, but she's standing right here. So how do we make it legal? <laughs> yeah, we have to talk to this other person. This other person doesn't know and, and such and such and such until we got into the state person that actually like deals with the whole migration things like the supervisor of the of the of the place here in peru and this person told us what to do but otherwise they didn't know Mm. (laughs) and they were trying to get us to make her take a plane go out of the country and then come in and it's like you just have to make a a document i don't know it's a legal process and everything but why spend to go out and they go in (laughs) that shouldn't be the easier way but yes right yeah that's still a problem sorry (laughs) and another issue i remember now back back to um game game related um there was this adventure game retro adventure game um um unusual findings it was actually done by an Argentinian development studio. 
and um, they actually made a Kickstarter first and it was successful and it was at some publication game of the month and stuff. And what, what really what really shocked me is um, at the time where the Kickstarter was finished and the game was released on Steam, the developers in Argentina totally ignored all bug reports and improvement suggestions by the community or the gamers. They totally played dead, you know. They even when I emailed them, they wouldn't reply to emails. Nothing, and um, and and the game is only available in 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 Russian and in English. Interestingly, mm -hmm. not in Spanish, despite it would be it would be um, well obvious to have the game in Spanish because they are Spanish-speaking developers. But um, the game was also in Russian because the publisher was a Russian company. I mean, nowadays they are in Cyprus, but unofficially they are still Russian because, well, they moved for PR reasons because it's better to be yeah. a company in Cyprus than being still in Russia nowadays. Anyway, and, 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 and the game has like logic breaking errors like they are not differentiating between the door being closed and the door being locked. And I actually learned that this is translation error between English and Spanish. Um, that must be a language difference somewhere. But but of course, if you don't have the key for a locked door, you cannot open it. But yeah. the game doesn't tell you and you wonder why can't you open a door that is closed, you know, yeah. mm, because it's not only closed, but additionally on top, it's also locked. And that's the difference here. And yeah. and I mean, there are simple things like you cannot disable uh, subtitles. And that really disturbs me to the extreme when I have a game and there's constantly subtitles being displayed. I don't need the yeah. subtitles. My English is hopefully good enough that I can understand without subtitles. So um, that's that's this attitude of the Argentinian deaf uh, deaf team towards the community of like fuck it, we don't care anymore. We got your money, thank you and goodbye. That really shocked me. You know, I don't know if that is an Argentinian thing. But when I speak to other people from Chile and so on, I, I I heard that a lot of people hate Argentinians. Like Argentinians are rude, they're assholes, don't waste your time with them. And, and I, that's... I find, I find that hard to believe because, well, as CDA, uh, we're part of the Latin American um, Video Game Federation. And actually, most of the companies I've worked with because, well, I, I also make uh, events regarding gamification and video games here in Peru. And a couple of times we have, uh, we had game jams that gave amazing games and the devs didn't, they weren't interested into continuing making the game, that, that's fair. So we contacted Argentinian companies that were recommended by the ADVA and they were very nice. They were very, um, they were very responsible and everything. I don't, I don't think all Argentinian devs are that are that way. I, I think it's well. <laughs> I was, sadly, I was 
take it to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I think there's good and bad people. Well, it's not bad. It's just difficult people everywhere because I've seen many difficult people here in Peru and then also difficult people from Mexico and everything. But it, it happens everywhere. Um, what I, I also know that tends to happen is because of the different culture, we tend to clash a lot with other countries as an Argentina talking because I've heard a lot here in Peru and people from my accent, I've been a long time here. So I try to hide my accent because I can tell that people treat me differently if they're here. My accent is very- I mean, I mean the, special, the special thing about is, I mean, I'm online since um, 23 years now and 2006 was the first, first time I spoke with somebody from Peru and the difference between Peruvians and other people in the world is that um, depending on what language education you have, some like yourself included um, barely have an accent, if any accent at all. They And I read an article written by a Peruvian person online where he wrote that a certain English schools, private English schools, actually, uh, well, figuratively speaking, get rid of their Spanish Latin American accent when they speak English as a quality seal or something. And that's like, yeah. wow, you know. Um, well, I, and, 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 I don't and, and, know. And before, I before don't know people had. Uh, one second. Be before before I saw people on the webcam, I actually didn't believe that they were actually from from Lima, and because their their English was so flawless, you would think that that they are from uh, New York or whatever, you know. Uh, that's oh. really. But but there are little exceptions where you can hear if a person isn't a native English speaker, regardless when they are saying things like "wait me" instead of "wait for me." You know, mm -hmm. or okay. open my webcam instead of starting my video or whatever. And then that, yeah. that's like, a, that must be some Spanish grammar flaw somewhere. Or when yeah, people, or when, or when they say people is, despite in English, people is plural. So you say people yeah. are. So anyway, yeah. now, now you can answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, well, actually, I never studied English in, in, in school. The um, well, my 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 parents have very very well known friends from every part of the world, and one of them, she was director of Markham College here, and uh, she actually took upon herself to teach English, uh, Brit Brit British English. Uh, because she said that I couldn't be this intelligent, her words, not mine, and not know English at my 12 years old. So she taught me. And uh, I think it just went mutating because uh, when I grew up, I started talking. I, I currently talked with many people that are in the UK and also USA and other countries. So um, talking to them. I kind of mutated my, my accent because I was learning also from them. I have a few friends that live in um, Western Supermare in the in in Britain, and then I have a friend that lives in New Mexico in USA. Also, my well, I have a part of family that lives in the USA, Miami. 
So I constantly be talking to them. Also, it affects how I talk. But I never actually went into a school to learn English as I'm learning on my own um, Korean and Japanese and also um, a little bit of uh, Russian because of my friend that lives with me. But it's also because of the culture that I have in my house. My dad speaks like 14 languages and he wow. keeps learning because he's bored and he really loves dead okay. tongues. Okay. My mom uh, knows how to read Egyptian and Aramaic and they teach me as well because we're all nerds. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I actually see languages as my dad told me, like uh, languages are the way to get your idea across to another person so as long as you can do that that what that was matters that that's what matters and in any case you can just keep polishing that same process over and over again so that's different approaches but i guess it goes to the same end and yeah i i know i know that that many people actually here think i'm peruvian but they kind of feel that there's something off so they tell me like are you from chile and no I'm from Argentina and their faces change and the whole, the whole speech uh, changes with me because here in Peru, Argentinians are seen as people that we don't have boundaries because, well, in Argentina society, everyone is the same. It doesn't matter your age. Uh, you can be 15 years old and talking to someone from ranging from 80 to 90 years old and you're going to talk to them as you would talk to your friend. And that's kind of what I like because you also can uh, change the, this mindset that here still lingers that just because you're older, you know, you know, automatically more. That doesn't mm. work. Oh, well, I was told the same 20 years ago that I'm yeah. too young to know. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's not a bad thing. You know, you, you can both learn and that was great. But yeah, when I talk to people from other countries, they tend to think that that because the Argentinian doesn't have that um, reverence sometimes is not very respectful and it just doesn't care. But it's a culture. I kind of learned how to word that in the middle because I can see that many people are distraught by it and they're entitled to, but they also have to see how that works there. It's very different. Uh, but uh, regarding the subject, I the different places that I were from Argentina in the past, and I actually never knew them before the ADBA recommended to, to me. Also, I was a judge here for the culture ministry, helping, a, well, a, an award that they were given to video games. I was working with a colleague from Argentina and they have always been nice. And it, they actually didn't knew that I was Argentina. I never told them until the very end because I wanted to know, you know, like, is it because I'm me? <laughs> so I, I just led them on to believe whatever they wanted, but they were very nice. So I think it depends on the people. I, I can understand that some people don't care anymore because you have to be uh, conscious that right now making a game in Argentina is difficult for several reasons. The first of all, the economic reason that one dollar is equivalent to one beyond 800 pesos. Really? And okay. Yeah. It depends on the dollar as well. We have like 16 different types of dollar. And if the person that uh, talks to you at the bank and think thinks that you're not good enough for the best 
kind of change, they're going to give you another and that's it. And it happened to me when I went there because I went with my credit card, my credit card is here from Peru and I paid and from, according to the laws of Argentina, if you pay with a foreign card, the dollar you're going to pay with is going to be the biggest uh, difference dollar. And I was like, okay, so this is around, I don't know, $80. And because the best my, rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my because my ID was from Argentina. I was charged as I said, I was Argentinian. So it was like completely different from $80, it went to 300, you know? So the thing is that that's a problem for devs because even if you're working with a foreign company that is helping on that process, you might still find problems and taxes on the way. Beyond that, you have the problem that many platforms right now are inflating the prices because people in Argentina can't buy the games. Right now, Xbox, I think you saw that, they've changed the prices and they went up 120% on mm. everything on Steam for Argentina only. So you have all that problem and then you might have the problem of changing the language because yeah, Latin America is kind of aware their content is not for Latin America. It rarely is. We can make it in Spanish because we want people to see it, but it's very weird that people actually want to buy it, especially in a country that is suffering so much with their economics. So in any case, you're going to make the game for another country and you're going to be hoping to if, if the best scenario comes out, your publisher is going to help you to sell it. So the ah. publisher is kind of who, the one who helps you to, I don't know, put in the best ground for it to grow. I don't know the whole details because I'm, I'm not aware of that. But in any case, you have to keep all that process in mind and then be like, okay, so what made them take this road and why are they not fixing it? Maybe they just don't have the money anymore to fix that and they just have to uh, but, but at least you could communicate, you know? Oh, ah, yeah, on that, on that I agree completely. But then again, it's not a justification because I don't know what happened. But I can also have in mind all of that process because as the CBA, we're talking to the ADBA constantly and they tell us, all of that that's going on, that they're trying to fix it as an organization that kind of tries to help every dev in Argentina, but it cannot always be done. Many of them tried and invested in another way to manage all of this with people on the outside, and that works for them, but it's not all. So I wouldn't know. Mm. I mean, you know, at some point you would wonder if, if the errors couldn't be avoided, you know, like spelling errors yeah. or like logical errors. I mean, just have somebody reading over the script again or something, you know, and yeah. it, it would really, it would really make me wonder if in Spanish there was no difference between a closed door and a locked door. I mean, that wouldn't make sense to me if you, I mean, yeah, there must be of, a difference, you know? Yeah, there is. There is a difference depending on what you're trying to transmit. But yeah, there's a difference because uh, from do the door being locked as locked with the key and closed. But yeah, there is. Yeah. So I, I can see 
I can see what you're telling me. And then again, I don't I don't know everything. Mm. And mm. it just seems sad that they don't try to engage more with their community because I well, guess not anymore. At the beginning they did, but when the game was released, like we don't care anymore, you know. Um yeah. but other things you mentioned like localization of games is a totally different topic. I mean, obviously, when uh, Robocop was released, it was only released in English with um, localized subtitles. And of course, who complained first in the Steam forums about no, it, it, no German dubs? The Germans, you know, and and uh, I mean, I mean, literally, if you are, <coughs> if you are an indie studio, you perhaps don't have the money to pay all the voice actors for all the different languages, you know. And now the question is, nowadays we are almost in 2024. Is it really, is it really necessary anymore to make games in 10, 14 languages now that people more and more learn English? I mean, even in Latin America, um, in the in the last seven years, for example, in Colombia, the um, fluency rate of English um, increased from 15% of the average inhabitant uh, to 30%, you know? So even, even Latin America is getting a higher fluency in English nowadays. I mean, with the internet, globalism, you know? Uh, that's yeah. just how, how 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 I see it, you know. I don't think uh, it's just English. I'm sorry because yeah. well, we we now know. Well, you you tell me your retro gamer community, and yeah. well, you have seen many games that passed in the past that were also always regarding on English to be distributed because it was like yes. the most used language across. in the eighties. Nobody cared. With a few exceptions, you know, 80s, yeah, 90s, many, nobody cared. And many people in Latin America, I think you know, that they were just playing what they had. Many people like me grew up with the game in English and we learned to decipher what is said because that was just what we had. You didn't get anything else. <laughs> so we just, just, we just went with it. Like, okay, it's in English. They just play the game and try to find out. And that's why many people I hear here, I guess, are still stuck into the nostalgia of it because when you play the game and you were little you remember finishing the game but you don't know anything that happened into it so when you grow up you play the game again and you say that's what it meant yeah that's what story. i was doing yeah there's a, there's a story that's amazing but you didn't knew so you yeah, get that true. second chance as a way of speaking true. and that's why you can pull people back i guess but i know you're you're saying now regarding today i think today we have the knowledge of the whole UI UX uh, environment uh, we didn't have back then. And the interesting, the interesting thing about this is beyond the fact that the art and the aesthetics of a game develop into helping the player to play it, because back then you, you were just trying to make a fun game, that's all. Now you have games that with colors and, and forms and uh, different sets of the level design can help you to find whatever you're looking for. Basically, they lead you to it. Uh, you don't actually regard language as the first 
way of communicating to the player, you know? Mm, you can make games that they don't have text or words at all, and you can still play it. True. So language is not much of a barrier as an option because language is, I think today, not meant as to be thunk, thunk, thought as a, as a region in itself, but as a way of letting the player know what it has to do. For example, we're making a game right now, my, my agency, with uh, Italy, with an uh, Academy of Music from Luca. And the whole thing with our game is that we're going to avoid words whatsoever. Oh, we okay. want everything to be UX, UI, because, well, as a very special person that I am, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to promote the whole inclusion thing, but not as most people think of it. I'm trying to give it their, their place into people that need, need accessibility and they may have conditions. So the whole game goes with that idea of helping people with their anxiety and their depression and the music, the frequencies, the color, everything that we're using is being um, constructed onto helping that same notion. So on that regard, we're constantly iterating with the fact that we don't want text, we don't want um, speech, and well, the Luca Academy insists that at least the kids want to make a version with text. I'm sorry, with um, with spoken uh, places because, and they're right. We might have players that have um, a problem with with eyesight and everything, so we're thinking about implementing that. But it's possible. It's not impossible. It's just a thing that you have to think through. We're trying to experiment on that, and I'm very happy to be able to. But I know that regarding the region and the game itself, like the gender and everything, you're going to be expected to follow some conventions. So I think that's a thing of of the devs to investigate, or at least the publisher to know. Like if you are making a game for Asia, you cannot just be thinking on to using Japanese or Korean. You need to use Japanese and Korean and Chinese, and I guess there's dialects as well. So you need to think on that always, because otherwise you will be in negligent with your own project, and you'll be chopping up, chopping out its legs <laughs> just because you don't want to investigate. And it's not a thing very hard to investigate, but I hope that with time we can have more games that work beyond that language barrier because it's possible and it's just i mean with ai and everything that's working right now you can even get um different helps from i don't know translators that hear your voice and put the text in the language that you're speaking and recognizes automatically so it's not impossible that there is a future where we play games with that implemented, it would be great, amazing. Like you wouldn't have to be thinking onto translating onto every single language, just helping with the AI to do <clears> that for you. But I don't know how ready are the gamers to know that. I mean, the question <laughs> is, would I want translation? I mean, I prefer to use a direct language without translator. I mean, I know what I want to say and how I want to express it. If I have a translator and I'm watching translated uh, videos or whatever, 
I'm always thinking in my head, like, I would have said that differently, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want an AI, an, an AI that would translate the English game into German for me. I mean, personally, when I play a game or when I use an application, the first thing that I do is I switch it to English because I, I don't like German translation at all. And very often the translation has a lesser quality and doesn't transport the humor and the same message as the English original. That's always yeah. what I thought when, when I consume media. As well. It happens yeah. in Spanish as well. I hate to see games. I know there's game that, that comes in Spanish. I hate playing games in Spanish. I want to play the original uh, the original language. Happens when I see anime, happens when I see movies, happens when I see games, when I play games as well. If the game was made in German, let me play it in German. I'll find uh, okay. a way. I, I wouldn't <laughs> want that if I didn't know German, of course. I mean, that's the yeah. exception. But Well, yeah, I, I'm a tryhard, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I guess it's, as I said, different for every person because every gender has has its community, its players. So depending on what you like for, from the MDA framework, simply just referring to that, you can see that there's difference into what you and I expect from a game. So if you're thinking on that, when you pick the gender of your game, when you pick the theme of your game, your story, mm -hmm. your game design, your art and everything, you also have to think what does that objective group want from the game itself? Do you want text? Do you want audio? Do you want to put the audio for people who have accessibility problems? You do not because you're going to find another way to let them know what to do. Um, but that's the thing from the gender and the game and the whole investigation that you should be doing. I, I guess that's the problem itself, from my point of view at least, that they don't do enough investigation as to why are they doing what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to do that a lot with everything, so it just it wears me out, but I guess it's a problem. I don't know how other person develops their game. I mean, I know the general rules, but on my part, I think that every time that you do something, you're doing it for a reason, and that should be that the whole flag of what you're putting out in the world is the flag that is going to bring your communities, the flag that is going to help you mm. uh, let them know why your game is different and why they should play it. But well, as you're saying, not many people care, I guess. There is um, a 120 pages long thread on the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 forum about the game not working with any accessibility tools for the disabled gamers. And CDR Project Red, well, CDR, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. They, they, they never even once reply to that thread, though they are not fixing it or making it accessible to uh, disabled gamers at all. And I find that super sad, especially since they released uh, Phantom Liberty this year, um, and they are still not fixing the game to make it more accessible to handicapped people. And yeah. um, and I mean, simple things like allowing alternative input devices or allow um, 
allow different keys that are normally not allowed. That would be, from my point of view as a gamer, obviously um, be easy to implement. But um, but CDR, uh, no, sorry, it's not CDR, it's CD Project Red. Now I got it. CD Project Red. Yeah, I said it wrongly before. CD Project Red concentrates so much on their reputation they destroyed when they first released the game that they seem to not care about anything else anymore. I mean, it cost it cost a little shitstorm that when they released Phantom Liberty, they also raised the system requirements for the base game. So when you bought the game three years ago, you cannot play it anymore on the same computer because on the PC version, the system requirements raised. So you need to upgrade your PC or stop playing the game in the future because future mm -hmm. updates will not be tested on older hardware anymore. And it's like, ooh, you know, and it's it's kind of sometimes some 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 companies and some <clears throat> some game development companies seem they that they want to trigger shitstorms by doing the exact opposite of what a logical mind would say is the best way to go. I don't know. It's it's totally totally um um um, um shocked me when I when I saw that. Perhaps when they when they were so successful with the Witcher series, they got a bit over their head. The Polish people, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah, I, I I know what you mean. It's 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 a very sad thing that I see in many games. I used to like playing uh, Back for Blood. I I really enjoyed the game. It was fun. Um, but I was very sad and, and very upset to be honest that. Turtle Rock actually uh, decided not to give support anymore to the game after less than 10 months of being released. Wow. Okay. And you can still see in Steam and in Xbox that they were, I'm sorry, I saw it in Steam. I don't know if, it's, if it was in Xbox, but you can still get the whole year pack where you would play the game with all this expansion for a year. We me and my friends bought every single expansion because we wanted to play the game. But all of a sudden, the game was um, finished. The story closed in the most uh, fast way possible. And the whole thing that you could find about it was that they were working on a new project and they were not going to give any support uh, to the community, even less than a year that the game was developed and you can still get the whole year pass without support like what no thread no opportunity to talk about with, with the community so i stopped playing the game like i finished the game i uninstalled it and i wow. told to my friends like listen if i as a dev don't care about my community that they're the ones feeding me that i'm doing things wrong so I'm not going to play this game on, on stream. I'm not going to talk about this game anymore because this is not the way to do things. Sorry, at least let people talk or give it, give them the chance to play the game freely. Okay, you're not going to support anymore Then at least release all of your DL, DLC so everyone can play it and at least take with them the best experience possible so they can play your new game and they're going to want to. But right now, I don't. And I'm just one person. I don't know what happens with the whole rest of them. So 
I see this is a way where some bigger companies are working because, well, I, I guess the recession, but any anyway, they think that making, or at least from my side of the of things, uh, making deals with technology, um, with hardware, hardware parts, uh, companies and everything, uh, they're encouraging their growth, but at the end of the day, these companies, their technology is going to find some sort of top because you can only make your computer gamer until some point. You cannot go into graphics forever. There's going to be one perfect spot and you cannot go beyond that. You're going to have to go into another type of um, computer or, or console or everything. And well, I guess they're entitled to be short-lived, I, I guess, sad. So that's why I also try to support the indie companies because I truly believe that when you're working with less, you try to be, to be the best possible. If you are smart enough, like you're going to try to make, even if your Thank game you. is <laughs> tiny, you're going to be trying to make it different, working on that, working on building a community and taking care of it because it's closer to you, you know? But hmm. some companies, when they get too big, yeah, I see that they don't care as much. I guess it's just how it works for some people. I mean, if it I'm not depends. mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, CD Projekt Red used to be an indie studio. It used to be point. small, you know? <laughs> and then somehow... Um, it went out of control, you know. Yeah, but again, that's someone's decision, you know. Like, I mean, we can say, oh, yeah, they're a bigger company and they made that mistake. And yeah, you're right. But someone decided that that wasn't important enough uh, as to other mothers. I don't know why or, or how, but it happened. So what can we do beyond like trying as, as a community? I'm, I'm a dev and I'm also part of, of their community trying to talk to them, be like, hey, you should fix it. At least try to say something. Because also if as many other um, gamers, because it happens with gamers, not necessarily content creators, happens to content creators as well, but they try to attack the company. And also when you're being attacked, you're not going to want to talk and find a middle ground. You're just going to react to it and that's also not a good way to get things done i guess you can well on my on my part you can mostly do things better with honey than with vinegar so if you try to talk to the company and be like hey this happened and at least you tried then it's likely for them to answer if they don't well they made their choice but you're not the one pointing fingers and attacking them because that's just gonna feed the toxicity that we already have of several places, and that's not good for anyone either. Well, I hope this toxicity. <laughs> I hope hope um, it will become less less toxic in the future. I mean, Hopefully. with change in the society, I don't know, but it would be good, you know. We can if, all dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean. We could call this podcast everything that goes wrong in the video game industry because it sounds like <laughs> it, yeah. Um, but oh, there's um, so much more I know. I mean, I know there's so much more things going wrong. I just don't know why. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, we also have to 
embrace the differences. Otherwise, if we if we make every game um, society friendly and and fair, I mean, imagine a GTA game, you know, where you yeah. can't shoot people or something. Like, would that be still a GTA title, you know? I mean, now that GTA 6 is around the corner and, um, you know, it, I guess it will be as, as violent as the other parts. Um, I don't but think... I'm going to tell you, that, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, the sure. people that like the violent games, they're not violent at all. <laughs> Most of my friends like enjoy very gore games and violent and everything, and they're not violent at all. I, I also enjoy very violent games, but since I put all my energy into that, I don't get violent the rest of the time. It's like, why? I could just be playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it doesn't come from those places. I think it comes from the other places where people still uh, don't find their calling because, yeah, I don't think there's many people out there telling you or asking you, what would you like to play? And I, I think that's also a problem about responsibility for gamers because it would be great if someone told you like, okay, what do you like to do? For example, you like playing D&D? Then let's find a play, a, a game that brings the best of D&D for you. And that's a whole new ordeal. But many people play what they have in front because they that's all they know. And that also feeds that, I guess, lingering frustration that it's not really fun, it's just entertaining and maybe that's why we just go with it and not try very hard to improve ourselves as a person doing whatever we're doing but I guess it just depends on the gamer as well because after all if you're an adult and you're doing that you're behaving that way and you're not asking yourself why then you have a bigger problem there on kids, I kind of, I kind of understand it, but on adults, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I totally get it. So have a good rest of your day, right? Talk to yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.